Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tim, it's a spicy title. It's a spicy title. It's pretty good. Do we think, do we really think, does it actually, you know what, it doesn't even matter what we think. Do they think, does Aston Martin really think beating Red Bull in 2024 is achievable? Yes, they do. Because that's what Dan Fallows, technical director at Aston Martin, said to me on Sunday during our media call with him. Yeah, man, he thinks Red Bull's beatable and... You know what? He kind of convinced me too. I'm okay. I'm... All right, because here's here's what I got to know. Because like you're in. Listen, we all want more winners this year. We all want it, but we all know that you know Red Bull had such an unbelievable car. It's going to be tough to catch them. Tell me how you react as a reporter when you hear that answer on a press conference call. Like, do you not go? Does it not like shock you a little bit? A little bit, yeah. I mean, you're because you're not expecting a team or a, a person from a team to like shoot out of a gun like that saying right, saying yeah. a, saying a statement like that so when when Dan said that to me I was kind of like, I was on a Zoom call with like I don't know there's probably about 60 of us on this thing and I was trying not to make a face cuz I was you know I was trying to be professional here which you know I struggle at doing sometimes mm-hmm. but uh as soon as he said it I was kind of like covering my mouth like oh dang <laughs> like <laughs> all right here we go this is good um, it, it, it was interesting because that kind of, uh, set the tone for all of our interviews with the drivers and team, uh, officials throughout the rest of the day. So mm-hmm. it, it was good. It was a good little, uh, nugget that he kind of threw at us, but, um, he, you know, obviously a very confident guy because of working with Adrian Newey for as long as, as long as he did, because Dan Fallows is originally from that Red Bull program. Yeah. Um, originally, you know, working underneath Adrian Newey. So, you know, he, he's the greatest engineer in Formula One history, in my opinion. So for Dan, he's a very talented guy. So he knows what he's talking about. And he's the one who really turned that program around at Aston Martin. He gave them well, and, a, and they gave them a the car for last season. Year. They were yeah. the surprise of the year last year, right? Yeah, absolutely. Adam, like, I mean, if you go back and you look at 2022 and how much they struggled in 2022 and where they finished and then coming back in 2023 and really being the talk of the grid at the start of the season. I mean, obviously, Red Bull was as well because they were so competitive. But Aston Martin's jump was spectacular because of the stable platform that that Dan and his team at Aston Martin created for them. So I I can I can see why he's. Like he's he's confident and bullish on on their project for this year. I mean, literally, it's just an evolution of last year's car, and they right. were already happy with last year's car and the platform that they had they had made. So they had good bones to kind of build upon coming into 
2024. But one thing they, they probably couldn't be as happy with last year uh, was the upgrades midseason. It seemed like they were truly great, like truly one of the top teams until they started putting upgrades on the car and then the car started to slow down. And they'd, I, if, I'm, if I'm not correct, they had trouble in corners, um, especially after that. Am I wrong about that? Where, where was, the, where was the, the major hiccup once we got to places like Spa? Yeah, it was straight line speed was a big issue for sure. Completely the opposite of corners. Okay. Yeah, but like you're right though, Adam. I mean, they did they did suffer um, like a lot of a lot of cornering problems as well um, in in the mid season. And once they got to like once they got to the the tail end of the season, so you know Austin, if I if I remember this correctly, was like Austin, uh, Mexico, Brazil. Uh, Vegas, mm-hmm. that you know, uh, uh, Abu Dhabi, those were kind of them getting back on the right track. So essentially, what ended up happening was they were bringing, they brought a big upgrade to Canada, and I believe that that was around round seven, seventh race of the season, if yeah. I if I remember yeah. correctly, it was in June, and they thought that what they had brought to the car was was going to work. And they were pretty confident in it. So they kind of kept going down that uh, trajectory. So instead of going down a road where the driver can drive the car, feel comfortable, feel confident, and get the lap time, they went down a road where they were chasing performance, which you should do, as any Formula One team should do. But at the same time, if that's going to sacrifice your driver's confidence, what they can do then that's going to hurt the team. And so it really affected Lance at the beginning and then it affected, and then it came and got Fernando as well. So eventually it affected both of their drivers just at different times and in different uh, ways. The thing for Fernando is, is that, I mean, like Adam, he's a two time F1 world champion. He's in my opinion, one of the most talented drivers on the grid and probably ever. probably one of the yeah the most naturally talented racing drivers ever like he can make anything fast for him it was kind of understanding and not understanding what he's doing to make the car go fast because he's just naturally gifted at making something go quickly mm-hmm. but when things start to go really wrong then it obviously is going to affect him as well and so that's essentially what happened then once they got to Austin really started to experiment with the car, different setups, different floors. Um, I know they, I remember they took some uh, grid penalties and pit lane penalties so they could sort that out, changing the floor, changing so many different types of components in the car. And eventually they started figuring it out. And they finally, finally figured that, Hey, we got a good platform and it kind of seemed like they were chasing too much of performance and not enough driver drivability, like mm-hmm. making the car drivable, making the, 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 the driver confident, comfortable, um, and so that's essentially how they kind of got off track. And so if you're spending all that time going off track, you've got to come back. So I wonder how much that will affect them for 2024. They seem yeah. pretty confident though, man. Like they were, they, I mean, for the most part, like, you know, Mike Crack seemed pretty confident too. Like they were a confident so group yesterday, Adam. They, they weren't tempering expectations. Obviously, we got our first look at the car this morning. It looks great. The only real difference really is that it says Aramco on the side rather than Cognizant, which <laughs> moved to another part of the car, you know, different sponsorship yeah. dollars. And Aramco, I think, is a major stakeholder in the team now. But, um, but you know, in terms of how team principals and drivers approach these things, 
like if you talk to somebody probably uh and i'm speculating here but if you talk to haas like they were saying uh they were saying yeah we expect to be last uh if you talk to somebody at alpine they're like well we hope we hope are you getting the sense that aston martin's like no for sure we're gonna be great yeah, no, I, I get that feeling. Like, I mean, the only one to have like a big statement was was Dan when he said that to me. But you know, Lance was pretty confident in in seeing that they could fight like for possible podiums. And same with same with Fernando. He seemed very confident. I I asked Fernando actually about the sim, like his sim ses- sessions, um, because it was you know one of the things I'm starting to learn is that with the new sims. They're able to kind of transfer transfer the data from what they're building, so the newer cars over into the simulator to see how it affects the driving of it, which is which is wild if you think about Pretty that cool. for a second. Yeah, um, because they don't actually have any on track data from the thing. Like it's literally like, okay, this is what our computer is saying. Let's plug it into this computer and go drive it, which is yeah. friggin' wild, man. Um, he had said that, and I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially it feels. He, he notices a bit more of a change. He said he didn't get to drive it as much as he wanted to, and he was going to be doing that this week, uh, not only on, on track during like a filming session, but uh, in the sim is essentially what he was saying. He was going to be able to drive the newer components uh, more later this week, and so he was looking forward to that. But just the, the overall confidence, they didn't come in downbeat at all. Everybody had their head held really high. I mean, and sometimes with Formula One teams, Adam, like you know, like teams will come out and say, like, hey, it's going to be a bit of a struggle for us starting off, like I.E. McLaren last, last year. year. Like, I remember sit- Yeah, I remember sitting on that press conference, and Zach and Andre Stella just, you know, they had their head heads in their hands. And so what was the headline? It was like deadlines were missed, and you go, "Oh no!" Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, no. I can't, I can't, yeah, it was bad, man. It was, <laughs> they were so they, you flat out like I think it was like Zach and again paraphrasing, but Zach was kind of like, "Yeah, we're it's going to be a struggle. Like start of right. the, we're not going to be good at the start of the season, right. kind of thing." And so teams, you know, for the most part are are pretty. Um, you know, they're pretty truthful when it comes to that. Like, they'll tell you and where they kind of see themselves. But Aston Martin was like, man, they came out swinging. I was like, all right, I'm here for this. Let's go. Well, Let's do this. I got to tell you, because because of because of your insights, and, we, and I watched a lot of, you know, one of the things is I've gotten more and more into the sport. And, and thank goodness for the F1 uh, accessibility. Like, you can watch everything all the time. Things that aren't even aired on, say, TSN or Sky Sports or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is like you, you watching three hours of testing in Bahrain yeah. right? and you know when they have those big pieces I don't even know what they're called that they put they put on the cars right arrow rakes arrow rigs, yeah and you know watching the Aston Martins last year and you're like listen man and I know you're going in a couple of weeks aren't you yes yeah, yeah leave it on Sunday actually this oh, Sunday, Sunday? Yeah, okay. yeah this, so this coming is, Sunday. oh man we are so close it's so exciting yeah so, <laughs> but but what's so cool about that is you're like listen Aston Martin's going to be a sleeper so I I doubled down on Fernando and Lance in my grid rival pool and just shot right <laughs> to the top it was great like they they carried me now Fernando came in last year obviously new team that nobody expected to be that good um and then uh and also had lost weight um and had gained a ton of confidence and by race i think it was four or five he was saying guys this is the best car i've ever driven um and obviously if that's the case fernando's driven a lot of cars Mm -hmm. uh and i know he was in a state of ecstasy he was making regular podiums again like life is good Mm -hmm. um but he also 
doesn't have to say something like that. And if that is the bone structure, it seems like if they're able to manipulate a few things, he could feel that way again this year. Is he? Do you get the sense that he feels that way about it? I think so. It, it does seem like it. I mean, ta- talking to him yesterday, he just, um, you know, I get, it's funny. Like the, the main thing he just kept talking about, and I said this before we hit record, was the fact that he was the, you know, there was three world champions on the grid, and he was one of them that didn't have a contract for 2025. He brought that up? <laughs> several several times, but not in like, <laughs> basically, even, yeah, no, he's awesome, he's but not in like a, not in like a bad way. It was kind of more along the lines of like, hey, Aston Martin, you know what you've got? Let's start talking about a new right. contract here. Because what he was something like was, along those lines is what it felt like when he did it with Alpine. It was like, it was like, like you better sign me, and what you're offering me is crap, <laughs> right? Like you've offered yeah. me something, and I hate it. Yeah, he wasn't uh, happy with that. Yeah. Do you do you get the sense that that like because obviously everybody's talking about Mercedes, right? That Mercedes seat, that yeah. Mercedes seat. Yeah, that was everything. Yeah. That that, yep. that he wants to stay at Aston Martin. Yeah, I do. Uh, he kept referring that that it was a place that he was comfortable. It was a place that he wanted to be at. It was a project that he really wanted to see through. And that is something. And I've you know I've spoken with Fernando for you know many years, but this was one of those times where it's like. Yeah, I really believe him. Like, I b- believe that he actually does really want to see this thing through. And I, th- I think for him, I think he sees like a ton of potential in where the team could go. Um, not only for this season, but for next season as well. Because for, for him, it's kind of like, what's the, what's the runway? Like, what's the length that he's got left in him? Like, and it was, it was funny. Like one of the, one of the journalists on the call asked him, like, are you going to do this until you're like 50? And he's like laughing. He's like, no, no. He's like, I'm not going to make it that long. Like, I'm not going to, you know, keep, I'm not going to be racing F1 until I'm 50. But like, you know, I am trying to extend it as much as I can essentially is what he said. So mm-hmm. I, I think he understands the impact that Lewis going to Ferrari uh, has he was asked a lot about Lewis actually in the thing, and eventually he's like, "Look, I don't care about Lewis Hamilton." That's literally what he said. He's like, "I'm just like I'm focused on what I'm doing here." He, like, I I did like, read a funny quote that said, and it's so Fernando, where it was like, uh, uh, he said, you know, I he said up until last year, ra- finishing at Mercedes was his dream team, and he's like, all of a sudden Ferrari is or something. That, like that's that. yeah, he said. Yeah, he said that on the call. He did say he's, that. He's such a good heel. Like he's so good. He's such a good villain. But in the in the most you want, you root for this guy. He's the yeah, best. He's, he's the great. best. He's great, man. I think also like you had mentioned last year coming in thinner and fitter. Um and you know, getting older, I mean, that's harder to do, man. Trust me, I know. Like I'm in that position right now. I'm like, you know, I'm like struggling with like trying to lose weight, get fitter, or whatever. And I'm like, you know, in my forties. So it's it's uh, definitely a challenge, and for him, uh, you know, he's he had mentioned that he had turned around his nutrition. Like he had, that was one of the things that him and his team focused on in the off season was was nutrition. So we got a nutritionist. Nutritionist came in, and I asked him, you know, I asked him like, what what's changed, like in terms of your nutrition, like why and why do it? And you know, essentially, he's he's not fully vegan, but he's eating way more greens than he's kind of ever, ever have. And a big thing for him is finding that endurance and finding ways of recovering faster. Something similar to like, remember when Tom Brady did it? 
Oh, just yeah. To, and just to extend. Did you ever extend... read the, the Tom Brady book on nutrition? No, never. Oh, man, Tim, it's it's a wild journey. Like there's there's he oh, has in it. He classifies four different types of water. And oh, oh like alkaline about, and like, yeah, reverse and, osmosis type stuff. Yes. And, and then he talks about how he like will never have a mushroom or a tomato because they're inflammatory. Like he and, and then, he, you know, he never eats a burger. He's like, I know what a burger tastes like. I know it tastes good, but I'm trying to be an athlete here. And and, you know, you know, we all say that. And then a burger comes across, you know, your desk and you're like, damn, I got to eat that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And these guys, these guys are the ones the reason they they. You know, they're all so talented, but also it's like up here, it's that drive. Like, no, I'm not going to have that. I'd much rather have this leafy green salad. Yes. And that's essentially what he's got to he's got to do. He's got to, you know, greens was a big thing for him. Um, and again, it's sort of, yeah, similar to because I was thinking about Tom Brady when he was like explaining why he was doing what he was doing to me. I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds right. Recovering faster, extend mm-hmm. your endurance because the season is so long. And I think for him, it kind of seems like that. He could be a bit worried at that length of the season. It's 24 races. It's a long calendar. It goes in from March until December. Well, actually, you know, February until December, if you, yep. you know, consider everything else that he's got to do. And I think for him, it's just trying to make sure he stays healthy, fit at a certain weight, strong, and he's able to kind of carry that energy through the, through the entire season. Because I think like, as, you know, as you get older, traveling to all these different destinations, the time change, it all affects you. Like it, it really just hits you like a, you know, like a hammer in the face, like when you get to some of these places. Oh, yeah. Well, for, it's not like Formula One makes it easy. They're like, we're going to go to Europe, and then we might go down to Southeast Asia, and then we're going <laughs> to yeah. go up to China. Oh, yeah, no, North America for a second. Then, then we're, we're going to go to Australia, and... then we're going to yeah. come back over here. <laughs> like, they don't do it regionally, which, you know, they, they could, but they don't. So so I, I guess um, with that, Tim, like with Fernando, um, you know, you're going to Bahrain in a, in a, at the end of the week, right? Yes. Uh, that is almost a complete... Uh, 180 in terms of schedule. I, yes. I remember I was in Abu Dhabi and Dubai for about two weeks when I was like 21, and I couldn't get out of bed till noon their time, right? Because I was so it took so long. How long does it take you, average person, to switch to the Bahrain daytime schedule? Yeah, that's it, it's going to be absolutely a struggle for me. Okay. I so I've been like you know texting with one of the one of the trainers who's in F1. Uh, and, you know, just kind of asking questions about, Hey, like, what do you suggest I do going from Eastern standard time, crossing like three different time zones and going into a completely different one. And a big, big part of it is trying to like get onto their schedule. So like before you leave, before you leave. So like two days before, you know, you want to try and start waking up like a couple hours earlier than you normally wake up. So I wake up early regardless and so it's trying to like dial that back, avoid caffeine for like the last two days before you fly. And then when you're flying, it's staying on their schedule. So if it's if it's nighttime, it's around like your bedtime, that's the time you got to go to sleep. So you got to make sure you're not getting any like light, like okay. light in your eyes, like light from the sun. So you got to shut the shades, turn the lights off, whatever you got to do and go to sleep. And then... My travel is difficult because I fly into Dubai at like midnight their time. Mm-hmm. And then I got to fly from, I got a four hour uh, layover. And then I've got to fly out of Dubai at midnight to Bahrain. And I get into Bahrain at one in the morning their time. Oh. 
And so it's it's like, I, I don't know if I'm going to understand what I need to do at that moment. Like, can I check into my hotel? Like, yeah. can yeah. I get it? Well, like, what I mean, am I going to do? You're so not due at the track that day, are you? No, not, thankfully, oh, like I'm not till the next day. Okay. But I still have to get credentialed and everything. But so it's, it's, a uh, it's definitely going to be a process. And I'm thinking like, you know, holy, like I'm not the only one who has to deal with this. Like there are other people in F1 who have to deal with this like 24 times throughout the year. And they're, and, and for, in Fernando's case, he's driving the car. Mm-hmm. And so lengthening that career and lengthening his ability, because it's, it, it comes down to little things. Like I think people don't, you don't think about it when you're watching because you're, you're just watching guys drive cars, but you don't realize like the, the effort it takes in your neck and in your arms and your whole you know, body, how that being sore body. all the time, how that oh, grades yeah. on you. Right. Oh yeah, man. Like your organs are literally shifting. <laughs> Like you're, you know, as strong as you are, these guys are like the, the organs are still going to like start shifting. Like they're absorbing like six G's is like peak, maybe even higher in some corners. Like, so it's, it's a lot on the body. I mean, it's good that they're young, but for the older drivers, it starts to become a little more challenging because you can't recover. You can't bounce back fast enough. And so I think for Fernando, it's, it's him and he had mentioned like the triple headers. So the races that there are back to back to back. Oh yeah. It's trying to like get in and then get out of these countries as quick as possible. So he can then try to adapt to the next time zone. Mm-hmm. So not really waiting around in the country uh, that he's racing in. Once the race is finished, it's kind of like once the race is finished, I've got to get out of here and get to the next time zone so I can quickly adjust as, as quickly as possible. And I think for, the younger drivers, it may not be as challenging to do that because they are younger. So uh, he's got an interesting he's got an interesting year ahead, and I'm I'm ex- I'm excited to see uh, his story kind of play out at him. Lance Armstrong is the guy. Stroll, that, Stroll, Stroll, sorry, Stroll. Lance Armstrong. Why did I say Lance Armstrong? It's early. I'm not even on my own time. It is actually pretty early. Ridiculous. Lance Stroll uh, took a lot of crap last year, and people forget. It's funny, like. Like zero, they have zero sympathy for this guy who broke both of his wrists. I don't know if you know what it's like to drive a car, but it's difficult when your wrists are broken. Uh, and he was able to make it for the first race. He was able to finish eighth, if I got it right, uh, seventh or eighth, something like that. It was a crazy, like a really great finish that I don't think got a lot of uh, a, a lot of the headlines because Fernando was in third, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, how did that happen?" Um, and I, I, Tim, I think. I think what's interesting about Lance's season last year is he had some real bright spots. And then there were some spots where it was like people really got on him. And I think he probably got on himself. And there were some confidence issues, perhaps. What do you get? What do you sense from Lance Armstrong going into stroll? Stroll. Oh my gosh. What do you say? I don't care what you sense from Lance Armstrong. I really care about Lance Stroll, actually. What do you, what do you sense from Lance going into the season and how he's feeling knowing that a, you know, stable partnership, he and Fernando get along great. Uh, and B, they got a great car. Yeah. Um, well, so Stroll finished 10th uh, in 2023. So last season, I think he had like 74 points uh, in total. And I think he wants to just try and build off of that. And I think the biggest thing for for him is to just keep up with Fernando. Like not mm. – I mean, you're not always going to be Fernando Alonso. It's Fernando Alonso. And the guy last year was at the top of his game. I mean, they're hoping for the same – from from Fernando they're hoping for that that same type of quality driver and and you got to learn like you just have to learn from him like he has so much information to give and 
I mean, obviously he's probably not going to give everything away, right? Like uh, no. he's still at the end of the day, a competitor. So there's, there is going to be things that, you know, you're not going to get out of him. But I think, I think for, for Lance, like he had a, sounds like he had a pretty good off season. Uh, he was up in, he was up in Western Canada skiing for some of it. Uh, and then started heavy training. Like he's been, like he's been training extremely hard over the past five, six weeks, um, has had put in a big training camp block. And I think for one of the things I think is that he, he just needs to keep driving. Like he needs to keep racing. He needs to keep driving different things in the off season to keep the skills sharp, to keep on top of different changes to a car, because that's the thing with an F1 car, right? It's not always going to be the same. It's not always going to feel the same because you're putting new parts on it. So the car is kind of always an evolution of itself, and you're hoping that that evolution is 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 giving you more confidence and the car is getting better. But at the same time, sometimes it can go in the opposite direction like it did for them last year. And now, now you're kind of – that's where you lose your you lose your confidence and frustration sets in and it just kind of snowballs. I think also for last season for Lance, like he had a, hard, he had a lot of hard luck. I mean, there were some races where he was in a good position and something would take him out. Uh, same with qualifying – I mean, Monaco, he was actually quite quick until Q2 or a piece of Norris's car damaged the floor on his car, and that put him out. Lance, I mean, I put him out of qualifying because of that, and that wasn't a good result because Fernando was so competitive in, in Monaco. And so and it's there were to things pass that, in Monaco. It, yeah, you can't pass. So qualifying is crucial, right? So, anyways, regardless of all that, I mean, he needs to have a good, strong season, needs to be consistent for sure. Uh, and just keep learning from Alonzo as much as you can. I think if you like last the last, I want to say, ooh, I want to say the last four races. So I would say Austin, that that run of Austin, uh, Mexico, Brazil, Vegas, Abu Dhabi. You know, there were some standout performances from him personally through that season. I think Austin was was a decent run for him. Um, Mexico was decent. Brazil was really good. Vegas was really good. And so it's just trying to build off of that and hold, keep that confidence and carry it into the next season. That I think is, is going to be crucial for him to start with. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, and and you know Lance is not the most talkative guy. Like he's not, at least with the with the media. Um, do you get the sense that he's content going into this season? That he's ready? That he's confident? Yeah, he seems like it. Um, he, I mean, it's different for like I have a good relationship with him, so it's you know he's he's good to talk to uh, with me, and so I um, always have a good chat with him. He uh, seems confident, which is good. And I can always tell when like he's not in a good, he's not in a good mood because <laughs> he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve that way, which you know I respect. Um, so I can, I can tell cause I've known him for long enough. Yeah. I can tell when, 
I think he knows it's going to be something that's going to be good that's coming. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, I think he's in for a decent, I think he's in for a decent season. Now we just need to see what the other teams are going to do. Right. You know? Right. So, uh, yeah. And, and you know what? I, I, I have to give full marks to two teams so far. Uh, uh, Aston Martin and Visa Cash App Racing Bulls, uh, V-Carb, because both of them have paint on their car. It's crazy. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, fully painted cars. Uh, and, and, and Aston Martin looks like it should. Beautiful, you know, British yeah, you wanna, racing green. Got to love it. See the, you want to see the car? Yeah. Pull let's it, bring up it up here. Yeah, yeah. All right. I... And you know I'm a I'm a sucker for um, I, I'm a I'm a huge huge sucker for uh, Aston Martin just because of this car and let me know if you can see that uh, for those listening uh, we are taking a look at the uh, AMR 24 mm-hmm. for some reason it's taking forever to load so hopefully that kicks in <laughs> well I mean obviously are are we seeing Tim the real car. There Here? it is. Like it's, yep. it's on screen. So that's what the real car looks like. Yeah. So they, so not like other teams that you and I have uh, seen where they don't really show their, their full car. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen many full cars like Alpine. We saw them, uh, the V carb car. We saw that that was a full, full reveal. This is a full reveal as well. And it looks like it's got a part of the floor on it too, which is actually kind of exciting to see. Yeah. I, I think like one of the, and this is like really technical and I won't go, I won't go too, too far into detail with it, but it's the, uh, it's sort of the, the, the front suspension. It's like the pull rod, push rod sort of theory. And for, for Aston Martin, they're kind of sticking with their, their push rod theory with the front suspension. Uh, I don't know if you can see the cursor or not, but essentially there's a V shape that's above the tire. And then there's an arm that goes down the middle of it. That arm that goes down the middle of it. That's uh, where you're going to get that pull rod, push rod suspension theory. And essentially, it's just trying to keep the tire on the road um, and absorbing energy over bumps and curbs and all that kind of stuff. And so it's it's like, does that upset the platform? Does that help with the aerodynamics? And I think there are a couple different theories out there, but they kind of went in a different direction that way with uh, compared to, to Red Bull and... Uh, now V Carb and same with McLaren. I believe McLaren's also running a um, a pull rod suspension. So I found that quite interesting looking at the car. But it it I mean it looks fast and it sure like does. It's I mean, but that's the thing when you look at some of these cars when they look fast. I mean, sometimes they are really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Just the way Wait. that's literally the way it works. So I'm I, I'm obsessed with the side pods and and the reason I'm obsessed yeah, with the cool. side pods. If you're looking at this on the screen, if you're listening, you you know what a side pod is probably, but uh, right beside the driver where it says boss and then a Ramco. Um, what's interesting to me is how much, how much more elongated they are this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, the one that was obviously a major thing with Mercedes, right. Is they, they had um, a side pod issue or they, they believed was a side pod issue, but zero they pod because they thought this is going to be it. And it was so much chunkier than what, what you see here and what you see on the Red Bull. Um, I mean, that, that looks like it's just going to slice through air, which yeah, is does look, yeah, yeah. That's right. so I'm, I'm excited to see if they're able to do it because I really think, you know, the top five is for the first time in, in what I can remember, the most competitive top five I think you can imagine, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's Red Bull and they're in a league of their own, but then you've got Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, and Aston Martin. And if any of those teams I told you finished second or third, you wouldn't be surprised, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. And and that's what I mean, perhaps more surprised than others. If, if Aston Martin finishes second this year, wow, that'll be crazy. But mm-hmm. what are you seeing on the front here, Tim, on the nose? Yeah, I think uh, like one of the things that uh Dan Fallows had pointed out is a uh, the front wing. They've done a lot of design over the nose and in the, the front wing with that. That was very something he was um, uh, very quick to point out. The uh, the side pod inlets as well. Uh, so if you travel up the nose all the way to the top where the halo is, and you just look to the left or the right, you see these big inlets. Mm-hmm. It's above the uh, boss, or sorry, it's below the boss um, mirror. uh, mirrors. Yeah. And so that actually, again, you know, resembles what the RB19 w- was doing as well. I mean, there are certain aspects of this, aside from the suspension, that really do add and resemble uh, the RB19. Again, like, I'm I'm not an engineer. I just drove the things. But there are some components that I could see that are translatable to what Red Bull was doing last year. And, and I'm assuming it's just going to be a small evolution for them this season as well. But, I, man, I think this car is going to be competitive, dude. Like, I really do. Like, well, I really it, think it, it's going to be good. The more the more teams that are competitive, the better it is. And, uh, and I, you know, it just takes one Max Verstappen mistake, which he doesn't often make, to open yeah. that field right up. And, yeah, uh, and, and And honestly, maybe it doesn't even take a mistake this year. Maybe sometimes there's going to be cars that are faster than Red Bull. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about V-Carb a little bit yeah. here, Tim, and I'll let you uh, bring them up. But, you know, from a fan's perspective, like – all we have gotten is in the in the uh, carbon fiber era is carbon fiber. We got a lot of black on these cars. They're starting to look too similar in a lot of people's minds. Uh, but there's two that have stood out so far for looking like their teams: Aston Martin, one of them, and then the V Carb, which looks like a throwback to Toro Rosso, which people are pumped about. Um, you know, I, I you know I see. Obviously, the colors are, are cool. It's going to be sa- cool seeing Daniel Ricciardo for anybody who watched him come up through Toro Rosso, mm-hmm. you know, 12 years ago. Um, what do you see on this car, Tim? And do you think they can get out of the basement this year? Because it was a really disappointing last year. No, oh, it was. I I would say this team is going to be an interesting, a uh, very interesting one to, to follow. Uh, only because, one, obviously, I mean, you know, how many... Uh, how many components, like how much did they get from the RB19? I mean, obviously they're the, you know, the junior team to, mm-hmm. to the big team in Red Bull. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you, we know that they can share some components, but they can't share everything. And like one of the things that Zach Brown has been uh, very adamant about is just how much RB19 DNA is in this um, V-carb car because, you know, if we go back to, I, do you remember in 2020 when, you know, Racing Point, uh, you know, essentially came out with like this carbon copy um, Mercedes, I believe it was like a carbon copy of the W10 or the W11. I, I've, uh, Yeah, it was, it was the, it was the COVID year. Yeah. It was COVID year. And essentially their car was like almost a carbon copy of the 2019 winning Mercedes car. And that yep. car was extremely competitive. And that team was very competitive <laughs> throughout that season. And it turned into a huge thing. And it ended up just being the brake ducks that, that were illegal, that they didn't uh, get that information. Like they didn't really build that themselves. It wasn't something they actually came up with for this. It's, you know, the FIA, I think, is going to be really pressured to take a closer look at this car. 
I did ask Mike Crack about that during our uh, sit down interview with him on Sunday morning. It's kind of like, you know, how much of the, I, I kind of asked him like, you know, how important is it for for teams now to build their cars from scratch instead of getting components from other teams because uh, if i'm not mistaken you know v carb the front suspension and the rear suspension on this car is from the rb19 like Mm -hmm. that is something that they did share now but what else on here is shared right how much of it and that that's going to be the issue and how competitive is this team going to be daniel ricardo was extremely confident um you know, he was talking a lot about top fives and could eventually lead to a, a podium at some point, potentially. So I think they're very confident in what they have. I don't know, Adam. It's uh, This car, I think, could be a little controversial eventually. I mean, well, we'll have like to the, wait and see. I like we'll the controversy. I love Everybody does, man. I Everybody love, does. We <laughs> love when the technical directors and the team principals get mad at each other and tar- start taking snipes in the press. But... And, and listen, Tim, I'm a, I'm a McLaren fan through and through, so I'm not uh, – I'm completely biased on this one. But am I the only one that doesn't really have too much of a problem with these two teams sharing data? Like, at the end of the day, they – AlphaTauri last year uh, were one of the worst teams on the grid. Mm-hmm. And I want teams to be more competitive. They're owned by the same company. I don't understand really – like, like oh, if – this would never happen, but let's say – Ferrari said to um, Aston Martin, guys, just because I like you, I'm going to give you this information. Not that they ever would, but I, I don't see the I'm, – I'm not really sure I see the issue because if, if FIA or if the FIA is going to allow two teams to be owned by the same owner, uh, and one is clearly the junior partner, the junior team, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to make them at least a little bit more competitive. And it's better for the sport because, like, AlphaTauri were a non – factor last year but i i, I mean at least towards the towards at the beginning at the towards the end yeah towards the end they were competitive yeah. uh i just here's my here's my issue with it though when you look at a team like i mean andretti who wants to get in to formula one mm-hmm. who's willing to build his own their, their own car yep and then you've got the likes of like haas who takes a lot of its components from ferrari now again we're I'm not sure how much of those components they actually they get. And then you've got this. And it does really resemble last year's RB19. Now, again, I'm not sitting here saying that that this thing is an RB19. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is like how how many components should teams be allowed to get off of other teams? Right. Right. Because right. there are some teams that get the rear suspension from Mercedes and the gearbox. And you know, Aston Martin's one of those teams that gets gets those things as well. I think McLaren is too, aren't they? Uh yes. I'm not sure about rear suspension. Um, power unit, obviously. Power unit for sure. But then you've got Williams again, they're get they're getting uh rear suspension, I believe, gearbox as well, engine. But again, they then they have to design around that. Mm-hmm. And that could also lead to a lot of issues by doing so you can't your aerodynamicists can't go the directions that they want to go because they have to basically you know bend over to suit what is at the rear of of the car so for a team like v carb um that aston martin car from or sorry the racing point car from from 2020 i mean could, could this be something so i mean zach brown was pretty upset about all this stuff like you know during the winter break and mm-hmm. 
I saw I... him on some podcast saying that. I'm sure he'd just light me up for what I just said, but like, you know, I like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'd love to, I'm sure there are arguments and, and I'm, and I would listen to all of them. I just, I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want, I don't want there to be, I want the whole point of the regulations is parody, right? Is yeah. You, little... you want to, you want teams to be able to build their own cars, right? Like, oh, okay. you know Fair what enough. I mean? Like you got to build your own cars or, and if you're not going to build your, your own cars, then why not just have a stock chassis that everybody gets like IndyCar yeah. and like, let's just go racing. What are we doing here? Right. It's, it's like, you've got other teams that, you know, they're investing, they're putting their, a lot of money behind what they're doing so they can get further up the grid, get higher up into constructor standings, win that money. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, if a team is not going to totally, totally build their car straight from scratch, Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get some really great components, and then all of a sudden they rock it up the, the charts. If you're like a team like McLaren, I'd be pissed because yeah. like you've spent so much money investing and like all of this time, and and then you're you know you're you're losing prize money because of it. And so okay, I that, can okay, see that makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. you know what I mean. Like I can yeah. see it from a couple different angles. Financially, the most it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent, and. I think also like, I mean, like, you know, when Red Bull bought up this team and titled it, you know, Toro Rosso, like they were kind of doing F1 a favor at the time, right? Trying to keep more cars on the grid. Mm -hmm. And now you've gotten to the time where, I mean, this team is probably worth a lot of money, Adam. Like, oh, yeah, you could you could sell this team for close to a billion, if not a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And so I, I also think like, okay, well. Let's get this team really competitive. This is what I would do. I'd be like, let's get this team really competitive. Let's see how high up they can finish in you know, whatever season. So 2024. And then let's see how much we can sell them for. See how much we can make back. Because then they'd be really, really competitive and their value would be really high. And that, that's what I would do. I would do that if I was <laughs> if I owned them. I would. <laughs> I like that. Well, you know what, Tim? Maybe one day you'll be lucky enough. Now, we, we should we should wrap up. If we're talking Red Bull, we should talk about the fact that uh, Christian Horner is did apparently have his – people are calling it a hearing, but I think it was more like a meeting with a lawyer uh, who was investigating, who was outside of the Red Bull group, uh, who was conducting a, an investigation – uh, what we what we keep hearing, and again, none of this is verifiable, is he's being yeah. accused of coercive behavior by a female employee, at least one, maybe two, uh, and and maybe a male and a female. We're not sure, um, but he did speak from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And it's interesting this morning, Tim, because it's uh, ESPN is reporting that um, their a verdict is expected. Um, this coming week, Nate Saunders is reporting uh, as late as Friday that we're expecting to hear something this week, which might coincide with their car launch, which is pretty crazy. Have, have you heard anything? Are there any updates as of February 12th at 10 15 in the morning? Yeah, there is really isn't a lot on this one um, that we know of. Uh, there are certain insiders that probably know a, a bit more at the end of the day. I mean, some of the guys I was talking to, like they, they feel that we they may not get a decision until we get the testing. Mm-hmm. So that could be not this week, but the week after. So it's it's really up in the air at this moment. I mean, if Nate is 
reporting that and then he's definitely hearing something. Um, I haven't heard that, but I mean, Nate could be on something for sure. Uh, it's, uh, I guess it, it will be interesting to, to see. I mean, Adam, like you said, you know, meeting with the barristers for a lengthy time on, on Friday and still no information kind of coming out about what, what is actually going on here. So, which is probably yeah, for the best. wait and see. It's better that we know less at this point, honestly. Um, but yeah, it is a wait and see approach. Uh, it should be an interesting week with Red Bull and an interesting week for you, sir. Getting packed up and ready to go to Bahrain. Uh, <laughs> lots going on. So uh, we'll be catching up with you probably later this week. And then obviously yep. next week, you're going to be fully tanned Tim Haraney. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> buddy i don't tan i burn what like, <laughs> a nice crispy tim <laughs> i burn man i'm gonna have to put like so much sunscreen on just because this yeah, thing will look like a tomato sink all over your face like, oh uh, yeah like dude mark zuckerberg at the beach <laughs> wouldn't be the first time <laughs> well listen you know what tim uh i'm uh very excited for you i think it's going to be an exciting week yeah. we get we get testing woohoo very soon yeah um we have more car uh, launches this week too adam we got ferrari. We ferrari tomorrow right yeah we have mercedes uh wednesday you got mclaren get to, gonna get to see their car on uh wednesday as well you gotta be excited for that adam i mean mclaren that's Dude, I'm always excited. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, fun. then then we get uh, then we get Red Bull on Thursday, I believe. Yeah, and I'm excited to see the actual McLaren car, like you know, because we saw the livery launch, but I want to see the car. Yeah, me I too. I want to see what they've done. Yeah, me too. Yeah, hundred uh, percent, buddy. Thanks very much for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. That is Adam Wild from SDPN. You can get him on social media at Adam Wild. I'm Tim Haraney. You can get me on social media at Tim Haraney. You've been watching Nailing the Apex. If you want more Nailing the Apex, you can get on. YouTube. You can get past episodes also on our podcast as well. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with more. Until then, we'll talk to you all later.